Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, January 15th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I'm on my way to a BFA's Natalie Nowak. James, uh, yesterday on This Week on Broadway, you had the one and only Francis uh, Francis Raffel, the original uh, Tony-winning Eponine in Les Miserables on Broadway. Um, how, did, how did that go, and what else did you guys all talk about uh, in that episode? I went really well. She's got a show coming up at um, Green Room 42 uh, in February, and so we were chatting about that, and um, I did not realize her daughter, Eliza... His, Eliza, his, yeah. Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> yes, I was, that, yes, that's her actual she's, stage name. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, like a she's like a singer and and yeah. actress as well, but I think mostly like a pop singer, right? Yeah, she's gotten some really good uh, good traction there on, on the pop chart. She's do, doing really great stuff. So we talked about that. We talked a little about uh, Starlet Express and. And Francis Starlight Express. (laughs) Francis's start in Starlight Express and how that led into Limes. And um, and she just finished a a oh this is really interesting. Did you hear this? She did a production of uh, Michael John Lacuse's Wild Party. Uh, over in, it, over in, and was it at Minier or it was at some small theater out there? I I don't really know. It was in London, but they recorded it. Yeah, they for a uh, television like audio. But, oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, I hadn't heard of a uh, wild party that's been recorded. And she says it hadn't been sold yet, and there's no release or anything scheduled. But it's in the can. It's got a great cast, and you know, not a lot of people get to see a first-rate production of the Wild Party. So yeah. uh, that's very interesting. We'll have to see if anything ever comes of that. Yeah, the uh, the West. It, it was technically a West End revival. Uh, she was the main star in it, but also in the cast was the one and only Donna McKechnie. So, uh, so that's a very fun kind of group of people to have in a in a show like that. It was. Uh, uh, it just ended. Uh, it was last year at some point in April. Yeah, April, so yeah. very cool. It was at the Other Palace. The uh, I believe that's an Andrew Lloyd Webber owned theater now. So. Hmm. He, he owns all of them, isn't it? I think that West End is going to be renamed Lloyd Webber and, you know. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> or Cameron Lloyd Webber and or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you got to get, you gotta get the, both of the big sirs in there. Big sirs, no pun intended. Right. Ah, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like uh, in New York how we have basically three organizations own, you mm-hmm. know, 99% of all Broadway theaters. And uh, yeah. same thing on the West End. All right, first up in the news. Broadway said a lot of goodbyes on Sunday. Yes, they did. Uh, it was a big day because it's, you know, it's kind of the end of the holidays, even though it's, you know, Sunday was January 14th, still kind of had the leftover holiday traffic. So a lot of people were ending their runs in shows and shows were ending their runs on Broadway. Two shows closed. Two others saw the final performances of their stars. Uh, guys, I'm going to run through about four shows. So if you want to talk about any of these, feel free to jump in. But first, in terms of closing, Sunday marked the final Broadway performances of the revival of Miss Saigon at the at the Broadway Theater. The next show in the venue is currently scheduled to be the King Kong musical Spectacular, slated for this fall. Who knows if they slide something in there in between. As we've discussed before, Tony nominee uh, Eva Noblezada from uh, Miss Saigon, of course, has been 
working on the development of King Kong. So there's a chance that she could be staying right at home at the Broadway come November. Miss Saigon ran 340 performances in this limited run revival. James, I know before this show opened, we talked about, hey, if this is successful maybe it could extend clearly it never had that much success to necessitate an extension but it ran its course as originally scheduled the other show to close yesterday was the original broadway production of charlie in the child murdering chocolate factory it played a total of 332 performances at the lunt fontana next up for that house will be the musical summer colon the donna summer musical it looks like they are going to at least for the official title, just shorten it to summer, which will be a little less of a mouthful, but even more easy to forget what it's about. Uh, but that one will begin performances <laughs> on March 28th. Cause like summer, you think of it as like picnic or, you know, some yeah. other one name shows. It doesn't scream Donna summer musical. I personally would have gone Donna, but I don't know if their reason they went summer has some sort of thematic reason in the show or not, but I, whatever. We'll see. Go ahead. I, I didn't realize that Charlie and the Chocolate Murdering Children in Chocolate Factory was the full title. So well, I yes, didn't see that, that on the, the marquee. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was the name in London. And then when it transferred, they did the whole revisal of it. They, they left that part out. But in my heart, the Child Murdering Chocolate Factory is still how it's called. Oh, my Lord, we're recording right now. And Stefan Diggs just caught a huge touchdown for the Vikings to win as the game was over. This will come back and affect my script here in a few minutes. So uh, Hail Mary successful up in Minnesota. But we'll get back to that. Um, Tim, anyway. Federley was, Tim Federley was talking about the importance of uh, sport ball. So we'll have sport to ball. get back yes. to that in a second. Yes, we will. This will circle back around. There's a reason why I'm bringing that up, and you'll find out in a minute. But anyway, over at the Schubert Theater, four Hello, Dolly! stars played their final performances in the show. Bette Midler, David Hyde Pierce, Taylor Trench, and Beanie Feldstein wrapped up their runs on Sunday night. Trench will be heading over to the music box to take over as Evan Hansen. Feldstein, who was never announced as exiting the show, will be gone as of today um, and will likely be on the awards circuit with the film Lady Bird throughout the next month and probably fielding some offers uh, for some films and other projects as well. The stars of the show, Tony winners Bette Midler and David Hyde Pierce, will be succeeded by Tony winner Bernadette Peters and Tony nominee Victor Garber as Dolly Gallagher, Levi, and Horace Vandergelder, respectively, beginning on January 20th. They will be joined by our own Caitlin Milligan's uh, a heartthrob Charlie Stemp, who is taking over as Barnaby. And yesterday, at, at about the same time that it was confirmed that Beanie Feldstein was leaving, it was announced that Molly Griggs, a recent Carnegie Mellon grad, will be taking over as Minnie Faye. Then over at the Richard Rogers, Javier Munoz, who has been a part of Hamilton from the very beginning, the very first incarnations of the show. He played his final performance in the title role. He will be replaced by Michael Luwaye. To commemorate Javi's final performance, the Hamilton social media accounts posted a really nice video looking back at his time with the show. We'll have a link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. So, guys, now that, like I said, the early January shows have closed. Meteor showers closing next week, which, Natalie, I'm sure you'll talk about here in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, but with all those closing, it feels like we're officially turning the page to the beginning of spring season. A lot of shows that are starting their preview performances in February and maybe even early March have started rehearsals already. So we're moving forward the circle of the Broadway life, so to speak. 
you know, because part of my job is monitoring the Broadway World message boards, I know that there are some people that are not super excited about this slate. Uh, the purists out there aren't hyped by a lot of the commercial properties coming to Broadway. But I have to say, I, I'm really excited. I mean, I kind of consider myself somebody who avoids kind of the flashier stuff normally. But I'm really looking forward uh, uh, to this spring a great deal. Do, Natalie James, is there anything coming to Broadway or even off Broadway um, that jumps out as you as something that you're really excited for between now and, you know, April 28th or whatever it is when the Tony cutoff deadline is? I mean, I hope that I have some time to get into the city to see some of them and then, you know, form an opinion based on that. But I'm always excited because I think that, you know, like you said, it's you never know with with a sl the slate that we have for the spring but but yeah i'm excited for some of them i mean show set let me run down the list we have john lithgow stories by heart escape to margaritaville frozen angels in america millennium and perestroika lobby hero three tall women mean girls children of a lesser god carousel my fair lady harry potter summer travesties saint joan and the iceman cometh i mean there's something for everyone in that lineup and I yeah. mean, the, the traditionalists, oh my God, come on. You have well, Carousel, you have I My think... Fair Lady, you have um, Iceman Cometh. I, I mean, Three Tall Women. I, what more do you want? This well, is going to be a, a lot great of... season. I'm sorry. I, I complete... No, no, I completely agree. No need to apologize. I was interrupting you. Um, I agree. I think one of their, their issue comes more on the musical side mm -hmm. uh, because kind of the big tent poles for the season are going to be frozen and mean girls uh two things that are based on movies we've already got spongebob going um you know so these kind of things is summer the donna summer musical a jukebox musical i have you know i've said this before i have zero problem on source material whatever the source material is if you can you know Stephen Sondheim has shown us with some of his shows that anything can be turned into a good musical if it's done well. So I never get hung up on source material, but I agree. I think this season is going to be a lot of fun. I've got almost all of my uh, March trip planned already, and uh, it's got a little bit of everything. Like you said, there's something for everybody in this season. So I hope people get excited as some of these shows start their preview performances on Broadway. And do you know why, you know, January 14th seems like uh, a later point in which to cut off the holidays? You know why that is? Um, I would I would guess just because the first was on a Monday. But do you have something better? It's mostly because uh, colleges work on the quarter system. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's that came from before we started recording. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next up in the news, Encore's off center season is announced. Yeah, on Friday, Encore has announced its off-center season that will come up this summer. The slate of shows will kick off with Jason Robert Brown's Songs for a New World from June 27th through oh, the 30th. Really? Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? I didn't see, um, so good. I didn't see the announcement. Oh, my god. Oh, goodness. you haven't seen it? Oh, yeah. That's great. Um, it'll be followed by Gone Missing, uh, which is kind of a two-night tribute to composer and off-center artistic director, the late Michael Friedman, who died this summer. He was the uh, uh, composer for Gone Missing, which we'll talk about here in a second. Then the season will end with Mickey Grant and Vanette Carroll's 1971 work, Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope. I, I feel you. I feel you there sometimes. Um, that'll play from July 25th through the 28th. <laughs> Songs for a New World was JRB's first musical. It's really a song cycle that he uh, created with Daisy Prince, and it examines life, love, and the choices ordinary people make in extraordinary moments. Uh, Natalie, I am sure 
as a musical theater BFA student, this is one of those things that anytime someone performs, there's a decent chance that one person out of the group will be singing something from Songs for a New World uh, mm-hmm. because it's got such great stuff in there. Then yeah. On Missing, yeah, it, it, it's so good. Stars it's so good. It's one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. Um, Gone Missing is a 2003 whimsical docu-musical from the Civilians Theater Company in which they interviewed real people, which is what the civilians normally do, about physical objects that they've lost. It was written by Stephen Cosen, and Friedman wrote the score. Finally, Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope is described as an all-singing, all-dancing show focusing on the African-American experience with songs on such topics as tenements, slumlords, ghetto life, student protests, black power, and feminism. The music in the show is a mixture of gospel, jazz, funk, soul, calypso, and soft rock. Now, uh, James, I'm going to direct this towards James because he's got a little bit more history with this stuff than uh, Natalie, you or I do. But I know Songs for a New World pretty well. But the other two, I have to admit, I, I don't know that I've ever heard of. Are, James, are you familiar with either of those? Uh, no, not really. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> We're all well, in the same uh, boat know, here. <laughs> I, I'm yeah, but that's with, what Off Center is for. Yeah, I'm familiar with civ- the civilians, and I think that I might have listened to Gone Missing, but it doesn't ring a full bell. But uh, don't bother me. I can't cope. I, I don't know at all. Yeah, but that's that's you know, like I said, that's what Off Center is for. Um, you know, it's to kind of do these off Broadway shows that never made it to Broadway. That's or at least that's the idea, um, and give them you know, a little bit of a new life and maybe spark some interest from companies that might want to do them, you know, somewhere else, you know? So, uh, yeah, you know, very cool. Totally tangential, but it's sort of songs for, for a new world. Uh, did you guys see the, that meme going around with, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, the picture of Sarah Huckabee Sanders and, uh, and underneath it says, and I'll never have the moon. Which is, <laughs> and, and everybody oh in the God, world tagged happen. Jessica Malaski in it. It was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our friend uh, Andrew Kober tweeted out um, something like, "Hey, if 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 you know if you need somebody who could p- pass as a young, um, oh, who was in it? I now I'm gonna uh, was it Brad Oscar was in it or was it Brooks as Manchkis? I don't remember who one of the main stars. So anyway, Andrew Kober is already petitioning to be a part of this off center production. <laughs> That's excellent. I love that. All right, uh, next up, Broadway will be represented at the Super Bowl. Yes, now you're going to see why I got uh, so interested about how things shook out in that uh, uh, playoff game. But yeah, so on Saturday, I was watching the NFL playoffs when NBC's Mike Tirico announced that in addition to Justin Timberlake, who will be the Super Bowl halftime performer, Pink will sing the national anthem and Tony winner Leslie Odom Jr. will be singing America the Beautiful during the pregame ceremonies. Uh, I know other than Tim Federley and his sports ball fandom. Um, I know that that Venn diagram doesn't overlap very much, but the game will take place in U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota on Sunday, February 4th. We don't know yet who will be in the game, but and fortunately, due to a Hail Mary, my script is still correct. But the final four facing off in the conference championship games this coming weekend will be the New England Patriots and the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I completely attribute to the TV show The Good Place and the Minnesota Vikings 
thanks to that Hail Mary and the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, if you do want to follow that along to see who Leslie will be singing before they play off, there'll be two games next weekend, and then they'll take a week off before the Super Bowl on February 4th. I uh, found that little thing that uh, I mentioned about Tim Federley. Tim Federley posted on Facebook, As a Pittsburgher, I'm stunned by today's Steelers game, but mostly because as a gay man, I have no idea what happened. Yes, the Steelers took a took one on the chin to yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They lost thirty or forty five thirty five, I believe, to uh, Jacksonville, who uh, no one thought had any offense, but they put up forty five points anyway. So, uh, go Jags! Uh, uh, Jason from uh, from the Good Place will be very excited by the play of the Jags and Brett Bo- or, and uh, and and uh, Borles. I screwed that one up, but anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Next up, uh, one. Billion dollars. I'm holding up my pinky to my yes. face. Yes, <laughs> I was too. I was doing it too. <laughs> so, one billion. <laughs> oh uh, we can get Stuart to do that. One billion dollars sought for the Palace Theater renovation. Yeah, James, we're back on this story. I I didn't know if this thing was still happening or not, but over the weekend, we learned that the developers for the Palace Theater renovation are currently seeking a $1 billion debt and equity package for their redevelopment. They're looking for someone to invest in this project along with them. The entire project is expected to cost $2.4 billion to raise the entire space, the theater, everything above it, 29 feet off of the ground in order to create 10,000 square feet of ground level retail space. The renovation will also include the expansion of the Doubletree Hotel already located within the property and the addition of that aforementioned retail space and LED signage. The plan, and here's where it gets interesting, is to begin construction in the summer of 2018 and hope to complete the project by 2021. Now, that raises the question, no pun intended, about what's what's going to happen with SpongeBob. I, I think many people, perhaps even the Nederlanders, didn't expect it to be much of a hit at all. But here we are, and it's been a fairly decent box office uh, performer, and it's still running and seems to be poised to do well in the spring. And as spring break trips happen in the summer, that should be a big draw um, because the word of mouth has been just really, really overwhelmingly shockingly fantastic so i would think that if the renovation goes as scheduled and they start this summer that if spongebob is still doing well at the box office they have to look to transfer don't they maybe to another nederlander house uh whether it's directly in the summer or in the fall but it just seems crazy to me that they're going to start renovations while they've got a show that's doing well in the theater did we talk about this um uh, previously, uh, we we talked. Uh, SpongeBob has something ridiculous like three billion dollars in merchandising sold so far. I yeah, mean, sp- not the, wow. not, not, the, not the Broadway not show, the but yeah, not the Broadway <laughs> like, show, really? but in the history of SpongeBob, you know. Uh, it, so it doesn't surprise me that this is going to run. And we had, you know, as much as we doubted, we repeatedly talked about our doubts on on Broadway radio. Uh, they had an extraordinary team of people in there and they exceeded expectations in their reviews, both in Chicago and in New York here. So certainly this can't be too much of a surprise for everybody. 
I, I just don't understand how they could do that. So we'll have to see if uh, what happens here. Certainly, you know, they're not going to kick out a money-making venture, Mm-mm. you know, work around. No, and a lot of that. Yeah, and it'll have to do what houses are open whenever this happens. I mean, I'm also not completely sure that they're going to find a billion dollars between now and the summer, uh, you know, to to try to get this thing off the ground on on schedule. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it just seems crazy. But then then you think even if they do, what if it what if SpongeBob runs its course, closes on its own terms? And then you're telling me that the, the Palace Theater is going to be vacant for three years. We're back down to 40 broadway houses for for three years that's uh uh that's not i mean i'm you know i'm happy that their palace is going to find a way to make money so it's here long term but that's kind of sad that the you know one of broadway's most venerable houses will be closed for that long hmm well we'll have to see what happens there okay natalie give us some good news here what's in this week's theatrical schedule Well, first up, the National Theatre's production of David Eldridge's Beginning is transferring to London's West End for a 10-week run, and previews will start today, Monday, at the Ambassador's Theatre. Justine Mitchell and Sam Troughton will reprise their roles as Laura and Danny in this tender yet funny story about risking your heart and taking a chance. Beginning will officially open on January 23rd. Hamlet opens at Washington, D.C.'s Shakespeare Theater Company on Tuesday. In the wake of his father's abrupt death, Hamlet returns home from university to find his personal and political world changed as he never imagined it could. Michael Urie stars as Hamlet under the direction of Michael Kahn. This production will run through March 4th. Eve Ensler's new play, In the Body of the World, begins previews on Tuesday at Manhattan Theater Club. This is based on her critically acclaimed memoir. While working with women suffering from the ravages of war in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ensler was stunned by a life-threatening diagnosis. Told with her signature brand of humor, Ensler's personal journey uncovers surprising connections between her body and the earth, and also how illness can be both transformative and transcendent. This production is directed by Tony Award winner Diane Paulus, and it will officially open on February 6th. Classic stage company's Fire and Air begins previews on Wednesday. This world premiere by Tony Award winner Terence McNally explores the rich history of the Ballet Russe and the tempestuous relationship between Sergei Diaghilev and dancer Vaslav Nijinsky. Tony Award winner and Emmy nominee John Glover stars in this production. Fire and Air will officially open on February 1st. Atlantic Theatre Company's U.S. premiere of Hangmen begins previews on Thursday. Following a very successful run at London's Royal Court Theatre and subsequent transfer to the West End, Olivier Academy Award and recent Golden Globe winner Martin McDonough is returning to New York with his first U.S. premiere in eight years. Hangman will officially open on February 5th. Theatre Row's Agnes opens on Thursday. Agnes was accused of the murder of a California governor, so he undergoes a series of interviews by state-appointed psychologist to determine his fitness to stand trial. This production is set in the year of 2047 and imagines the future of law, politics, and news media. Now moving on to this week's closings. Royal Shakespeare Company's Titus Andronicus will close on Friday. Royal Shakespeare Company's Antony and Cleopatra will close on Saturday. And as we mentioned before, the original Broadway production Meteor Shower will close on Sunday. And that rounds out this week's schedule. Hmm. James, James, real quick. Is it too late for Meteor Shower to uh, to extend it all? Uh, I know that's uh, one of those shows that you said you were so in love with. You you thought it was just fantastic, and we thought it was selling super well early on, not selling all that 
great, you know, right now. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have another show going into the booth theater until April 30th. Do you think there's any chances of that last uh, announcing a last minute extension? I, I can't imagine that they're going to announce it at this point because they would have to, you know, sell tickets, <laughs> buy all that ad space on Broadway world, you know, uh, from your mouth to God's ears, you know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, they, they have to have a big marketing campaign in place, and it seems as though that uh, – I mean, of course, they could do anything, you know, whether it's smart or not at this point to do it is, you know, to to drop a ton of um, – a ton more of financial commitment into an unsure uh, January market when um, – you know, it was tough to get a ticket before the holidays, but right now it's seemingly pretty mm. easy to get it, even though it's a great show. I, I do wonder if they will add one or two shows, they'll double up or something like that for people that couldn't get in, but maybe they were able to fit in those that canceled performance into absorbing oh, right, right, the rest, right. rest of the seats that they had. Uh, this uh, this week coming up. Yeah, last year. Yeah, the the reason I ask is just that it, we we talked about the boys in the band, which is going in there, but it's not, you know, it's not starting until April thirtieth. That's the first preview. So that's just another Broadway house uh, that's sitting open for this spring. It just seems like we've got a lot of those that are between that and and um, you know some other things that I, I can't. Um, uh, the Niederlander because pretty. Um, the HUD, yeah, the Hudson doesn't have anything in it right now. Uh, Pretty Woman is going into the Niederlander in July, so that's another show or another theater that'll be closed, you know, vacant during the spring. It just feels like we have a lot of them that are un, unusual. That at this point, there's just no chance of something going in. So that's a little odd. And I did misspeak earlier. I I apologize. We uh, something will be in the Broadway theater uh, this spring. I completely forgot, and you'll understand why. That thing called Rocktopia is going to play there um, for about five weeks. I completely forgot about that. I did not consult my handy dandy spreadsheet, but it just seems odd to me that we've got you know th- two or three Broadway houses that are staying vacant during the spring of all times by design. Mm-hmm. You have to wonder if Rocktopia is the sequel to Home for the Holidays. Oh man, <laughs> it probably I hope is. Not for their sake. I mean, but here's the thing. I think Rocktopia is a little different because it has a history of touring. Like this is something that yeah, goes to theaters across the country. So people have at least heard of it and don't laugh when they say that the people involved are the voices of a generation and no one's ever heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> Now is uh, is Rocktopia the one that Rob Evan is doing? I have to. I uh, do not know. See here, Rocktopia. It's Rocktopia is not even on IBDB. Interesting. <laughs> so I can't. I can't even check it there. I think that Rob Evan, Rob Evan from Jekyll and Hyde, uh, who has done a lot of the uh, what's the Trans Siberian Orchestra. Oh yeah, this is that. This is in that vein. Yeah, it's in that vein. I don't. It's not. This is not Trans Siberian. But I. I bet Rob, I think is doing Rocktopia. Let me see if I can find out here. Hold on a second. Uh, tra- Sorry to Rock- have derailed Rocktopia. everything here. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, he's his his header on uh, Facebook is Rocktopia, a classical revolution, and he does a ton of Trans Siberia things. So, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, he's going to have, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde fans are fanatic and Trans-Siberian <laughs> fans are uh, there. Should help. I'll, I'll, you know, give Rob a call and see if he wants to come on and talk about it about Rocktopia and cool. let us let us know what's going on there. Rob's Rob's an amazing talent. Uh, he he transcends. Yeah, Rob uh, played um, college football. I think University oh, really? of Georgia. You, Ooh, he played, bad time! Bad time for them. Yeah, yeah. I think it was University of Georgia. <laughs> yeah, University of Georgia. He played football at University of Georgia, and uh, then got the Jekyll and Hyde thing and he's a rock and roll singer and so he's like an all around kind of uh, kind of person there yeah that reminds me and we'll get out on this Shuler Hensley played baseball yeah. at the University of Georgia then went yeah. on to uh, be well Shuler Hensley I, I think that they were there at similar times I think that uh, because I it's did a small the, world after all yeah I did the uh, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS uh chess benefit concert that rob was uh had done and i I worked on it with him back uh in the day and shula was involved in that as well the grobin uh pascal one no 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 the one before that (laughs) way way back in the day i keep forgetting how old you are james ouch i was like four when i did it yeah okay yeah all right anyway thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio you can find me on twitter at bww Matt, and subscribe to something up pop on itunes stitcher google play natalie where can people find you people can find me on twitter and instagram at natalie underscore nowak i've got to get some warm milk and go to bed <laughs> my name is james reno from broadwayradio.com and broadwaystars.com i'm not as old as matt would have you think uh, but Matt and I will be back and <laughs> chat with you tomorrow. 